Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Can't swatch in store? Finding your perfect foundation match is basically impossible right now. That's why Il Maquillage's online quiz is such a game changer. It finds your perfect match in seconds from the comfort of your own home. And it gets even better. With Try Before You Buy, you can try your full-size shade at home free for 14 days. So convenient in times like these. Take the quiz at ilmakiage.com slash quiz. That's I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC, coming to you live and direct off the back of a disheartening, discouraging and frankly disgusting 3-0 loss at home to Aston Villa. My name is Jack Collins and I will be your host today as we traverse some choppy waters in the back of what was ultimately a really, really upsetting performance. Joining me is our man of five thoughts, Cam Ramsey. How you doing, my friend? Not very well, mate, but we'll uh, we'll get through it, won't we, I guess? We'll have to, Cam. We'll have to. Our favourite American, Mr. Nathan Martin. How are you, my friend? Depressed, depressed, depressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's your three-word review. And, of course, <laughs> Mr. George Cooper. How are you, George? One positive is that it can't possibly get any worse than this. Don't say that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> The only way is up. The only way is up. <laughs> he says from the bottom of the Premier League. Well, George, let's uh, let's get straight back into the that we can't. You know, let's get into three word reviews. You hit us up, and we'll see where we go. So, some fantastically negative three word reviews. We have to kick off this. This was going to be a barrel of laughs of a podcast. So we've got Ian McCarb with absolutely fucking atrocious. So that's uh, a great one to kick things off. I think we can all agree. Josh Whitcomb. With us, Stuart Gray, we've got uh, from Josh Whitkin again, Bobby Deckardover robbed, obviously referring to his VAR um, disallowed goal. Uh, we've got George with Tony Khan out, Ad, bring your boots. Bradston Gibson with astonishingly poor performance, little pun on, uh, on, our, on our components. Frank Miller with concentrate on Carabao, uh, with Anthony Mitchell with not a clue. Uh, and we've got RZ odds uh, we desperately need atonement and then Mark, Nick Marcus finally with I fell asleep yeah I mean I mean I wish I'd fallen asleep is what I'd kind of go with I'm gonna go straight to you Cam I, I want your kind of pure unadulterated thoughts on, on what that was well pure unadulterated thoughts really wouldn't cut it mate because at the moment I feel like I could rip my own eyeballs out and uh, <laughs> just just feed into SW6 really it's, 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 it was it was just painful to watch in every single you know element and aspect of the word painful um, there was no semblance of organization from anybody or any department on the pitch and um, just reading through Twitter I mean drew drew he, he, um, he touched on it um, quite quite well I mean if last time round we were lacking that cohesion dressing room wise we're definitely definitely lacking some quality in the squad Um 
not not just defensively, definitely offensively as well. We were just so monodimensional and predictable and it was a real discredit to the work we put in the back end of last season. So I really, really don't know where we're going to be going from here. Cooper, I mean, look, let's start with the goals. It, it feels, you know, we'll have to go through it, not minute by minute, but, you know, we're 2-0 down within 20 minutes again for, you know, the, the third time we've conceded in the first eight minutes of a game in a row. It just feels so pathetically predictable at this point, doesn't it? It certainly does. And the, the thing... Fulham always have this weird kind of start of season curse for as long as I can remember, in which we are notoriously slow starters. And it's incredibly frustrating. But the thing that is most worrying, perhaps, for me about this game is that it felt like a bit of a litmus test, you know. The fact that Villa, they, they're going to be there or thereabouts, you, you think, in terms of relegation dogfight. And, and to lose this game in such sort of catastrophic fashion really sets a tone for, I feel like, the rest of the season. And we always knew that this was going to be a very, very tough campaign and we had to get points wherever they're available. And it just seems to me as if we're falling into all of the same traps as we did last time we were in the Premier League. I mean, you saw Scott Parker's body... Uh, body um, what's the word I'm looking for? Language, coach. <laughs> <laughs> leaving the pitch. He looked like he was about to burst into tears. And I'm like, oh my God, this is, I knew we were going to start badly. I knew that it was going to be tough, but to be like this position so early into the game, as you said, it's just so horribly predictable. You know, we concede, and it, I remember Dom said on the group that we, we've conceded within five or 10 minutes of every half we played this year. It's not just every game. And I, I, you know me, I'm normally kind of trying to find every silver lining. And the only silver lining that I can think of after this game is that it cannot possibly get any worse either that or you've just got to reside yourself to relegation and try and like take whatever <laughs> positives come our way but oh blimey today was a test man today was a real real test yeah i mean i'm i've spent ages trying to pick out some positives and there are uh, no positives there, there are no any. positives yeah, it's just on, it's just horrible it's just like like i'm listening to george and i'm listening like like this is just like like, 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 you know, I remember like driving 12 plus hours to be back for the opening day of the Premier League season against Crystal Palace when we went up and, you know, seeing the sort of, you know, sort of, sort of not a great performance that we had on that day. And, and, and like, this is just what we do. Like, I mean, I mean, I, 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 I don't know, like, like, what are my expectations supposed to be? Like, like, this is just absolutely atrocious. Like, this is just, I, I don't know. Like this is like th- this is horrible. Yeah, I mean, Cam, is, is there any? You have to write a five thoughts after this. <laughs> right, right. Is, is there anything that you know you're putting out here that isn't you know is that we're not already saying? Are you seeing any sparks of light in this tunnel, or is it very much kind of a, a dark and dark and dark until everything gets sorted? Because from where I'm standing, it looks like we haven't recruited properly, which is on Tony and his team. We're all, we haven't you know, manage this game properly, which is on Scott and his team. And none of our players seem to want to have any accountability, which is on them. There, there is kind of something not right from the top all the way down. And, and I'm struggling to pick how we go forward from here. Well, there's certainly a poison uh, running through the veins of the club at the moment. Um, I don't know how uh, prominent, it, prominent it is for all of us to kind of uh, comprehend, but 
Um, it's, as far as my five thoughts go, I mean, I've obviously got some rough notes at the moment, but the only positive I can really think of, you know, in terms of a spectacle and uh, an intriguing battle was actually Dennis versus uh, Jack Grealish. I mean, um, apart from that, for us, I don't really see there was much for us to get excited about at all. Um, I can't actually remember us, uh, you know, constructing a sequence where we looked marginally threatening and um, going, you know, on, on the retreat, we we are just so susceptible to our own downfalls, and it was the same last season as well. Um, I, I, I agree. I agree with Nath. I mean, I, I don't really know what Tony Khan's thinking at, at this moment in time. You know, I mean, we've recruited excellently. Don't get me wrong. I, I think Olerain is a great sign, and we haven't actually seen any of him really. Um, Robinson, I believe, will make a huge difference to us along the left, and I'd actually like to see Brian pushed further on just for the pure fact that his assists are, uh, you know, the, the record is there to be seen and Mitro loves feeding off that as well. But in terms of the defence, I mean, centrally, how how are we supposed to survive with Dennis Adoy, Tim Ream and um, Hector? And even then we've got Maxim Lamarchand, you know, a, he's a football Twitter um, cult hero and nothing more for me. He actually did okay when he came on today, but that was just real damage limitation in itself anyway. Um, the game was pretty open at that point, and I just felt that every time that Aston Villa attacked, we were going to get absolutely mauled. Um, so in terms of positives, mate, I, I can't really pick any out at all, and that is just me being completely honest, and it's going to be a very depressing read when it comes out. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it would be only right if it was, and I, and I say that as the biggest optimist of all. And but I don't think there's much to to grab onto. Um, George, I mean, the quick touch on the the five at the back. We were overrun through the middle from kind of minute one, and from there it just looks like we were kind of deer in the headlights almost every time you, it came at our back five. We, we looked like we were going to concede, and I guess that's what happens when you put in an extra player potentially not up to making it at this level. And and that's a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, fundamentally, you don't have the, the players that are going to be up to the calibre that's required of the Premier League. Just chucking more of those average players isn't going to solve any sort of problem. And Cameron, like, I love your five overviews and you, you, may, you know, know way more about football tactics than me. But to say that Dennis versus Jack Grealish was a highlight for you, I, I thought my ears were playing tricks with me, to be honest there, mate, because yeah. I thought he had an absolute... It's horrid time. No, I, I, was, I, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it was positive as, to the fact that Dennis <laughs> did well. I, I just like the fact that them two were coming to you know they're coming to fisticuffs all the time. It was just absolutely hilarious. Handbags flying everywhere, and you know there would have been the odd uh, blue word thrown around in there somewhere, which you know every football player and every football fan absolutely loves on the pitch. But other than that, no, Dennis was absolutely abysmal. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we're on the same wavelength in that sense. And I, I absolutely love Den Dog. Don't get me wrong. You know he's been a fantastic serve in the club but today just showed how woefully out of his depth he is at this level and it really pains me to say that it really does because you know I want to see our players do well and you know you want to give players a chance but I just feel like we need to get some centre-backs in a centre-back plural sense singular anything at this stage because I feel like we've left it way too late in the window now we're, we're really entering sort of like crisis talks sort of era with especially with uh, the deal for Marlon falling through at the uh, the 19th hour it seems failing a medical like when you think that Mawson passed the medical he had a knee <laughs> like, it's sort of got the 
structural integrity of a poppadom. Like, if that man can start a medical, like, God knows what I say. Might, I don't even want to think. But, um, but yeah, Jack, to, to lose your point, we the, the system just didn't work today. And it, it really, really reminded me of Slavisa Jukanovic and all of his pitfalls. I, it, I, I think fundamentally, Slav failed because he took too long to get nailed down at like a starting 11 that you know you need consistency you need to build up form you need to build up relationships i just feel like he took too long to get that and we're starting to see the similar sort of mistakes happening with scott in my opinion yeah i mean i was just about to kind of bring this on to a point where fulham have had 30 days maybe since the the playoff final right we were always going to have a difficult season this was always going to be tough at no point did any of us coming up think yeah, we'll walk this. It wasn't like last time, right? But what we did think was that we would have learned some lessons and we would have learned some things that, you know, we would be ready for the point where the the season began, that we would have given ourselves a shot at it. And Nathan, it feels like we haven't done that. It feels like, you know, and and there's lots of factors going on here, right? I'm I'm not laying this at at any single door because I think there's loads of things that are wrong here. And I, I think, you know, what, what uh, what Archie said earlier about Alistair McIntosh and uh, on Twitter, and it's worth going and looking at Archie Ryan Tut's feed about what he was saying about the CEO, as well as the recruitment team under Tony Khan. And, and look, there are lots of things happening. We know there's a pandemic going on. The market is a bit weird, but there have been lots of centre-backs signed in the Premier League this summer, and we haven't been able to get any of them over the line. And the Marlon deal falling through at the last minute might well be unlucky, but it's kind of... It feels like a point where we've got to, you know, it's almost emblematic of a failure right. to get through the door earlier. No. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it's, it's um, like, I, I don't know how many of the rest of you or like our listeners play fantasy football, like, you know, or like on any of these levels, but like the one thing that you learn is like, there's sort of, you know, positions that are of scarcity and you, you know, you value those accordingly. And with, like center back of the season, it's like the one thing that you know that you need to do, particularly if you're a championship side coming up to the Premier League, is like really spend the money, spend the time to get someone that can like, you know, give your defense a bit of an anchor. And that's the thing that Tony has not done. And it's like with Marlon, it's like there should be three or four players besides him that we could have that could come in if he can't come through and that's not the case. I mean, the reality is, is that we're sort of like left hanging here and um, we've conceded however many goals in the first three matches. What's the best mattress for you? Well, if you're an egg or a kitten, check out the competition. But if you're a human person, put your body on a nectar mattress as well as award-winning layers of comfort, you can sleep easy knowing you got incredible value. Mattresses start at just $499, and you get hundreds of dollars in accessories thrown in, as well as a 365-night home trial and a forever warranty. Go to Nectarsleep.com. Yeah, I mean... This is it. We're, we're, we're coming round to a point where we're seeing, we've seen this before. And, and, and I do think there's an element of whatever Fulham did this window, we were going to be stuck between a rock and a hard place. In that right. If we'd gone out and spent £100 million and done it all again, people would have been like, you are a joke. And we haven't. We've tried to consolidate on what we had. 
and it hasn't worked at all. So what do you do? Do you go out and spend a hundred million this week? Like, you know, it, it makes it very difficult to, to, to look at things and go with an objective mind and go, right, do we need, what I do think is that the money has been spent to be to a point in, in serious areas. You look at the right and left backs we brought in and Tete uh, and Robinson, and you think those were positions we needed to strengthen Cam. But if you look at it as a kind of general thing, we, we've signed, you know, Knockart and Cavalero, which we think were part of the deals that were, you know, done to make them come in last year. But if that money had been still in the tank, then perhaps we would have brought in players in the positions that we were crying out for at the start of this window and are still crying out for now. You see, that's the funny thing. Uh, we shelled out, I don't know how many million on Caballero, and he's been an absolute shadow since, I don't know, um, March, I'd say. And as for Knockart, there's rumours floating around that he's supposed to be off to Cardiff anyway, on loan or potentially out the door somewhere. So where has that money really gotten us? And uh, in terms of the investment and longevity of those uh, purchases, it's absolutely baseless, really. Um, in terms of players coming in cent- centrally, like defensive-wise, I mean, you've got your Foyths, you've got your Dawsons from Watford, which I would absolutely avoid of a barge pole. Um, you've got Godfrey, Norwich City, I'll take definitely, without a doubt. He's a young, quite kind of raw centre-half, but I think he'd just rejuvenate things a lot more for us at the back. Coop Miners, who I believe from Arsene Alkmaier is a bit more of a defensive-minded midfielder, um, but can obviously fill in centrally at the back too. Um, one one, one rumour I've loved seeing this week actually float around on Twitter is Daniel Rigani from Juventus, but I just don't see that happening in any dimensional world whatsoever. And I'm just struggling to see... Um, any viable, plausible, you know, uh, acquisitions for us in the next couple of days before the transfer window ends, and that is such, such a, you know, a hazardous red flag for us. We are once again scratching around at the bottom of the barrel, like we did last time as well. How many places did we signed on deadline day last time in the Premier League? I think it was about seven or so. I can't remember entirely, but we can't be going around like that. We, we can't do our business, um, you know, frantically. We need to be a little bit more calculated and assured with the way that we uh, conduct ourselves in the transfer window. And that is down to Tony Khan and his, you know, stats crunching cronies. But I, I, I'm, I'm just struggling. I mean, we, we could all do a better job at recruitment, I'm sure. We all play enough FIFA and football manager to know who's actually a decent <laughs> player. Come on, let's face it. And, he, you know, for the more cultured fan out there, I'm sure that they watch League On and Eredivisie as much as anybody else too. So what's the harm in uh, Tony Khan swallowing a little bit of pride and listening maybe even to the fans for once in a while? At least then he can deflect all the blame onto us, although he's doing so already in kind of, uh, you know, sh- shrouded words. And... Yeah, just go from there. But I just can't see anything anything credible happening in the next couple of days, basically. Yeah. And sorry, I'm ranting, but that's no, just no, the way no, this I, evening's going. This is a rant. And I think that after a performance like that, everyone should have the opportunity to rant. I would suggest, and for me, I still think that the stats model has, you know, virtue. I think you look at what Brighton have done, you know, and you think, okay, there's a model that works and you can see it. And even with someone like Brentford, and I hate to give them credence and I hate to give them credit. And we were, you know, ultimately we came up at their expense. So last year we were a better side, but you know, what they have done is, is what a model that allows them to, to bring onwards players and sell them for a profit. Whereas we have a model that doesn't seem to achieve that. We don't seem to, uh, you know, we're not even bringing players through, developing them and selling them on for profit. And there has to be a way that a model like this can work in that would also allow us to be seeing players come into their potential rather than buying players for, 
you know, for the sake of it, I think there's there's an issue here in that if we buy players that nobody's heard of, everybody kicks off because they haven't got Premier League experience. <laughs> but if we buy old players with no sell-on value, everybody kicks off because they haven't got any sell-on value. So it's, there are, you know, issues here in that, you can, in, in some ways in a football club, you can't be right for wrong. But I just don't, I look at Brighton, I look at what Brighton have achieved under that model and I, I just can't help but think, why are we not further along that path if we were going to go down the statistics model? I'll chat this to you, Cooper. Yeah, I, I echo everything that you're saying. I, I know you said that you hate to give Brentford credence, but in terms of transfer recruitment, they are arguably one of the best teams on the planet at doing so. You know, they tap into the whole football manager uh, school of, you know, the data analytics that they use. So, you know, a, an amazing stat that not many people know is that in terms of men on the ground and the amount of data entry points they have per player, they are up there in the top, I think definitely top 10. It might even be top seven um, teams in the world in terms of like the, the spread and the data that they have on players. And that cannot be understated. Like the, the, the amount of sort of, sa- like how savvy they are with, the resources at their fingertips and I just think it comes to also what you say Cam is like just listening to other people I think Tony I mean let's let's not be too critical because he has obviously brought in some fan, players that have done very very well for us and and you know we've, we've achieved two promotions yada 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 but I think it just comes down to I don't know whether it's an element of egotism just listening to other people that are more experienced in this field yes all very well you can use these sort of uh models of you know statistical analysis but they've got to be used in tandem with other you know devices that you've got so you know experienced people scouting networks it's not you can't be the be all and end all and you can't just you know have this mindset of i'm in charge i'm not really listening to i know people have said that scott has got more of a, a say in the way things are going these days but i mean it's it's very hard to see but i i think that it's it's just an element of listening and getting more people who actually know what they're talking about in on the transfer recruitment policy. Do you think, Nathan, there's an element where we're stuck between a rock and a hard place in that we haven't fully bought into the stat system and we haven't fully bought into the kind of non-stat system where we've allowed ourselves to just buy players who uh, have kind of displayed their quality in the Premier League before? We're kind of stopped between a half of the time we're buying anti Knockout and Ivan Cavallero <laughs> and half of the time we're buying players from the Belgian leagues in the likes of, you know, uh, Niskas Cabano, Floyd Aite, uh, and, and sort of we're kind of a bit of nothing because we're, <coughs> we kind of do a bit of both and neither right. particularly well. Right. Like, I mean, it, it gets to the manager's point where it's like, I, I love Scott. Like, I think Scott's got a, a, you know, a really important place in this sort of um, Fulham ecosystem. But like, I'm not entirely convinced that he is completely on board with like this sort of stats driven approach that, you know, Tony wants to put to, wants to have with, when it comes to our transfer policy. And so we, we, you know, we, we end up with a slab, we end up with the Claudio, we end up with the, you know, Scott managers, and we end up with the sort of these players that are coming in that don't always match up with the sort of, um, you know, on field philosophy that we would have. And so, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think we're sort of like, we we don't really know which way we want to go. We we have our manager. We have sort of that way of approaching things, and then we have the sort of the Tony, the sort of stats driven approach that wants to go a slightly different direction, and it ends up like we end up stuck between two directions. 
Okay, I mean, I'm going to move on from from this game because I think we're all just, you know, we're getting to a point where we're, we're kind of starting, we'll start to go over the same things if we were to go back over the game. Cam, it's the last week of the transfer window. What do we need and what do we, what can we do to address this? Because it feels like we're actually quite far away from what we where we need to be. But equally, if we go out and buy six players this week, I think people would be like, what the hell is going on? Well, we need reputable understanding, whoever we bring in and however we address the uh, the cataclysmic situation we find ourselves in at the moment, regardless of, uh, you know, what we, basically what we do. We, In terms of transfers, I'd love us to go in out and sign um, the lad from Barcelona, lad Tadebo. You know, yeah. I'd love us to go out and sign um, Regani if we could do, don't get me wrong. I'd love us to go out and even sign, I don't know, bloody Ross Barkley, who we've been linked with as well, just for the driving force in the midfield, potentially. But this all comes down to how we react on the tra- on the um, training pitch, beg your pardon. It doesn't matter really what's going to happen, um, you know, in, in terms of additions, acquisitions, incomings, outcomings. This starts on the training field now. The players that we've got at our disposal, they need to be taken accountable for the way that we've more or less... Uh, executed our game plan and Scott also needs to this this is going to be a real test for him it's a real baptism of fire he took over in a very very difficult situation last time around in Premier League but this is him from the start now and how does he put his stamp on us how does he really refortify us in the face of adversity and the only way you're going to be doing that is by getting that positive ethic back in the squad which he claims that we actually have we don't want another disorderly, you know, bout of disarray like we had last time around in the Premier League. But that's all we've seen, to be quite honest with you, from the early signs. It's, 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 it's completely worse than what we saw last time around too. So he's got a real job on his hands. He knew that anyway. We knew that, you know, he's always had question marks looming over his uh, his managerial um, credentials and statistic credentials and so on. But I, I personally believe Scott... He, he can drag us out of this in, in, in some way. You know, on the pitch, he was a leader. He was cutthroat. He was somebody that players looked up to. I understand it's different as a manager, of course. You're not in that same kind of environment where you can get out there and do your job, you know, incognito. You're there to be the face of the squad and the club. And I, I, I just think there needs to be huge, huge, huge turnaround in our morale and that is all it is. But that's easier said than done, of course. And in an ideal world, they turn around tomorrow and all of a sudden, Reem would morph into Maldini. Um, we'd find um, Alexander Mitrovic bagging five goals every, every single game, but it goes deeper than that in the Premier League. We're not in the Championship anymore and we are sitting duck and we're there to be shot at, basically. I mean, let, let's take this I mean, to the end of where we can get to tonight, I think. And, and Cooper, I'm going to come to you. What's your kind of final sum up thoughts on, on where we are tonight, where we need to be by the weekend uh, and kind of what comes next for this Fulham side? Because we feel so difficult. Mm, I mean, that's the million dollar question in many ways, Jack, isn't it? I just, I mean, you, you hear to my uh, just after this day, the sky pundits and they're saying how... Fulham need to get out of this cycle of losing mentality, which which plagued our Premier League campaign last time. I, I guess ultimately it just comes down to that. You know, we just need to try and draw a line under what's happened so far. First and foremost, sort out our defensive problem, issues. You know, whether that be obviously bringing in a new centre back isn't going to be this silver bullet which which solves all of our issues, but 
you know, you saw the effect that Michael Hector had when he came in last season. You know, it just it sort of gave us new life in defence and shored up our defence. And so maybe if we could bring in someone that could do this, but a step up, obviously, in the Premier League. But, I mean, we just need to regroup, regather, draw a line under it and then and see what we can do. Because if we carry on at this trajectory, we are in for a very long season indeed. But try to start over. <laughs> season starts from now. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe we can forget the first three games, but, but ultimately it's very difficult. Cam, final thoughts? Final thoughts. I believe that I articulated him the last time I spoke on the pod, obviously. Um, I just feel I'm totally attuned with what George is saying. We need some kind of resolution and we need it now, basically. There's no two ways about it. Otherwise, we are uh, we are going to be facing the gauntlet very, very soon. Yeah, no, it feels that way. Nathan? Um, like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is too early in the season for us to be already sort of like, you know, calling for last orders. So, um, yeah. Something needs to happen. Something needs to happen very soon. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I feel feels like one of those where it's the final week of this transfer window. Scott Parker, if he is the man to, to lead this Fulham side into a, a new era in the Premier League, needs to sit down in a room with Tony uh, and make this happen. Because if Tony Khan and Scott Parker can't get their you know heads attuned to the right place and they can't get to the point where Scott Parker is happy to give this squad a shot, then we're going to be in real, real trouble because ultimately if we feel like we're this short and Scott has just released a statement on Twitter saying we need to work out, well, in his press conference saying we need to work out whether we want to compete this year. Otherwise, it will be a tough year. This team needs to evolve and to do that, we need players in. If not, we will work like we have worked and try and improve things, which feels like quite a damning indictment from Scott. He's saying, if we want to compete, we need to bring players in to compete. And ultimately, if he's saying that, then him and Tony Khan need to sit down together and make a a kind of arrangement of what is going on in these last days of the transfer window. Because otherwise, we're going to be sitting here having this same discussion next week. Uh, And yes, like you say, George, another centre-back might not be the silver bullet. Scott Parker might think that he needs more than one centre-back. It might be two centre-backs. It might be two centre-backs and a winger. It might be two centre-backs, a winger and a striker. Whatever Scott Parker feels like he needs to make this team compete, Fulham need to look at bringing that in as soon as possible. Or we're going to feel like we're going to have this conversation a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we can avoid that any cost. But I mean, it's a damning indictment. When you look at those words, you know, what, what they're what he's implying is that the squad that he put out let him down today and if we have any chance of staying up we need to bring in new people so he's effectively saying if we don't if we carry on as we are and don't bring any other people in this this squad's doomed and i mean it's, it's a sorry state of affairs that we're hearing those words come out of scott parker's mouth now three 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 games in but um but yeah i mean as i said at the start of the podcast the only way is up from here it can't get much worse well, you, you never know, George. I'll, I'll touch wood after that statement. Last thing for you, mate. Do you want to name this podcast? Yeah, uh, I think we're going to go with the simple but effective, astonishingly poor performance from um, Branston Gibson. So well done, sir. Um, I mean, it's a minor consolation, but you've named the pod. Yeah, I mean, it really is a minor consolation after performance like that. And that means that all that is left for me to do is to say thank you very much to Nathan Martin. Yeah. Thank you very much to Cameron Ramsey. Cheers, lads. Thanks very much to George Cooper. Cheers, mate. Uh, I've been Jack Collins. Thank you so much for listening to this Fulhamish. Uh, I hope that Coops is right and the only way is up, but there's a long way to go this week. 
And it's only the small matter of playing Brentford in the cup next. Thanks for listening. We'll see you shortly. Take care. Bye-bye. Acast powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Sarah. And we're the hosts of Pantsuit Politics, where we've built a community around grace-filled political conversations. And we wanted to share the words of our listeners because they understand best what we do. Susan told us, Many times I've used your words when my own have failed, opening doors that allow for discussion rather than debate. Amber says we encourage her to be more involved, to be a better citizen, and to be part of her community. Nicole said, Listening to you two process with one another is the only way for me to become unstuck. With the impending election on the horizon, join us and our amazing community of listeners at Pantsuit Politics as we prepare to vote, process the election, and prioritize our values and each other. Make sure you participate in our democracy by listening to Pantsuit Politics and, of course, exercising your right to vote. ACAST recommends.